Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. To add to the chaos of David's return to the throne, David made Amasa, who was Absalom's former general, the commander of his army as a peacemaking move after the death of Absalom. Amasa wasn't up to the job David gave him. He was not a completely competent military man, and Joab, the former commander of David's army, defeated Amasa soundly when they fought. Joab showed how ruthless he was. He murdered Amasa, the man who replaced him as commander of David's armies, out of both rivalry and concern that Amasa did not genuinely support David. Galatians 5.26 says, Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Now here's Pastor Rob's teaching, already in progress. Able to sit with them and talk with them face to face, and there's real repentance. Chances are the hatred, the bitterness, the intrigue, the conspiracy is just going to continue and continue. And so David's already feeling this in his heart, that this guy is up to no good. And so he's already had enough of intrigue and conspiracy. And so he's like, I got, we got we to gotta get rid of this guy. We got to catch him. And so, right or wrong... That's what David is doing. He sent his men. And these Cherethites and these Pelethites, these are basically hired mercenaries. And they're very loyal men. They, they, most of them came from the Philistines when David was in the Philistine, when he was in cahoots with them before he became king. Um, many of these men came with David when he became king. And they were even more loyal to David than his own countrymen. In fact, these men, think of them like a secret service. You know, our president has the army and the navy and all these different armed branches, but then he has an inner circle of security, the, the um, secret service. Think of these Pelethites and Cherethites as those kind of guys. These are David's inner circle of men around him. And so that's what they are. And so Joab's men, with the Cherethites and the Pelethites and all the mighty men, they went out after Sheba, and they went out of Jerusalem to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri. In verse 8, when they were at the large stone, which is in Gabeon, Amasa came before them. So he's been delayed. I don't really know exactly what's happening here, but Joab knows that David has basically placed his other nephew, Amasa, placed him in charge. And do you, can you imagine what jealousy and rage there is on Joab's part right now? David wanted that man to go. 
But he's not the one who, he didn't come back in time. And so now Abishai, Joab's brother, they meet up together. And so finally they're going after Sheba in the northern part of Israel. But they meet, in route to that, they meet this guy Amasa. And they are all family. These are family members. Think of like, you know, these uh, uh, soap operas that you watch on television. I mean, the, the intrigue and the families and the he said this and she said this and they're doing this behind their back. This is right, it's right here. I mean, this could be, you could call it David's, you know, as, as, David, as David turns or, or whatever, you know, you could call it the, the David's light or whatever instead of the, the guiding light. You know, uh, it really is. It's that thick with intrigue and conspiracy. And so, <laughs> when they were at the large stone, which is a Gabi and Amasa, came before them, and now Joab was dressed in battle armor, and on it was a belt with a sword fastened in its sheath. And this is probably a dagger, not really a, a sword in the sense of you know a long sword. It was fastened in its sheath at its hips, and as he was going forward, it fell out of its sheath. And then Joab said to Amasa, Are you in health, my brother? And Joab took Amasa by the beard with his right hand, and he kissed him, which is a very Middle Eastern, uh, an Eastern kind of thing to do. But David, or excuse me, Joab was a lot like Judas here. You know, reaching up to kiss the man and, and, and some kind of greeting, but really he's got this sword in his left hand that Amasa did not see. And certainly they were rivals because David chose Amasa because David was tired of Joab and his bloodthirsty ways. And so you can, you can see the competition there, and Joab wasn't going to have any of it. He would be the man. And we're going to see as we go on that David never corrects him. David just acts like it doesn't happen. He doesn't mention anything or very little at all. And so... Amasa did not notice the sword that was in Joab's hand, and so he struck him with it in the stomach, and his entrails poured out on the ground. His entrails poured out on the ground, and he did not strike him again. He hit him so hard with this little dagger that he had in his hand, and thus he died. And then Joab and Abishai, his brother, pursued Sheba, the son of Bichri. And so he just slays this man in cold blood just because he's jealous of him. Again, a relative of his. And again, the prophecy is being fulfilled. What prophecy am I talking about? Off to the margin of your Bible, right there in verse 10, write this scripture reference, because this prophecy that God gave to Nathan, that Nathan gave to David, is coming to fruition again. Again, it's coming to, it's in 2 Samuel chapter 12. You know, one of the things you can do in your Bibles, instead of writing to Samuel and writing all that out, if you're in a book and you know what's in the book that you're in, just put in the, 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 the chapter, the colon, and then the verse number. Um, some, maybe you do that already, but that'll save some ink and it'll save some time. Just put in 12, uh, verse 10, hyphen 12. But here it is. It says, here's the prophecy. Because of all that David had done, God spoke to Nathan to tell David, Now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house, because you have despised me, God tells David, and you've taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the sun. Hasn't that already happened? Absalom taking David's harem. 
And certainly now, you know, Absalom, remember, killed Amnon, David's firstborn son. And then Joab kills Absalom. And now Joab kills Amasa, another one of David's relatives. This guy's got so much blood on his hands, he could be a a Red Cross agent. (laughs) But the prophecy is, is continuing. God told him, because you did this, David, here are the consequences. And the consequences are happening. And they just happened. And so now Amasa is killed. So verse 11, Meanwhile, one of Joab's men stood near Amasa, and he's lying there on the ground with all of his intestines all over the place. Sorry to be so graphic, but that's what it says. Um, So uh, stood near Amasa and said, Whoever favors Joab and whoever is for David, follow Joab. But Amasa, verse 12, wallowed in his blood in the middle of the highway. And when the men saw that all the people stood still... He moved Amasa from the highway to a field and threw a garment over him when he saw that everyone who came upon him halted. And you know, things really haven't changed, have they? You come upon a a car accident? I'm surprised there's not more car accidents because you see people driving by and they're like, they're they're looking, you know, and there's a car and it's all mangled up and somebody's crawling out of it, you know, and the the crews are there with the jaws of life and they're hosing the thing down from it's on fire, you know, and everyone's driving by and they're not looking at the road. They're looking at this because they're they're just, you know, it's something you don't see every day. Same thing here. They see this man and they've never seen anything like this before. Not like that. Oh, my goodness. And they're just intrigued and they're kind of fixated. So they drag him off into the field, put a garment over him. So verse 13, when he was removed from the highway, all the people went on after Joab to pursue Sheba, the son of Bichri, this man of Belial, this insurrectionist. And he went through all the tribes of Israel to Abel and Beth Maacah and all the Barites. So they were gathered together and also went after Sheba. This place called Abel Beth Maacah is actually, if you were to look at a map of Israel, it is to the west, about four miles of Dan, and north of the Sea of Galilee, some number of miles. So it's, it's up there in the northern part, but it's on the west side of, of Dan, where uh, Jeroboam had created the altar where he erected one of those golden calves. So it's west of that, about four miles. And so they came and they besieged this town in the northern part of Israel, and they cast up a siege mount against the city. And it stood by the rampart, and all the people who were with Joab, they battered the wall to throw it down. Because the reason they're going to throw it down is because Sheba was inside this city. He had taken refuge into that city. And then a wise woman cried out from the city, Hear, hear, please say to Joab, come nearby that I may speak to you. And thank God, this woman, why wasn't it a man? I don't know, but it took a woman. She's thinking to herself, you know, what's the problem here? You know, you're laying a siege. We, we are your people. We know who you are. Why are you coming against us? And so she's just reasoning with Joab, which is a really good thing to do with a bloodthirsty man. Try to reason with him first. And thank God she gets through to him. So when he had come near to her, the woman said, Are you Joab? And he answered, I am. And then she said to him, Hear the words of your maidservant. And he answered, I'm listening. (laughs) So she spoke, saying, They used to talk in former times, saying, There shall surely seek guidance. They shall surely seek guidance at Abel. And so they would end disputes. 
I am among the peaceable and faithful in Israel, and you seek to destroy a city and a mother in Israel. Why would you swallow up the inheritance of the Lord? And Joab answered and said, Far be it, far be it for me that I should swallow up or, or, up or, or destroy. That is not so. But a man from the mountains of Ephraim, Sheba, the son of Bichri, by name, has raised his hand against the king, against David. Deliver him only, and I will depart from the city. And so the woman said to Joab, Watch, his head will be thrown down to you over the wall. Wow, what a, what a great mom. You know? <laughs> but it was a smart thing to do because Joab and this army, they're going to tear the town apart. And thank God, someone with common sense, a woman, has to tell him, oh, what's the problem here? Well, there's a guy in there. Well, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> why didn't you just say so? Maybe we could work something out. She says, yeah, we'll work something out. Stay here because shortly his head's going to come flying over the wall. And sure enough, the woman, in her wisdom, went to all the people in that city. It was a walled city, obviously as they mostly were for to keep out enemies. And they cut off the head of Sheba, the son of Bichri, and they threw it out to Joab, and they shouted, Merry Christmas. And then he blew a trumpet, and they withdrew from the city, every man to his tent. And so Joab returned to the king at Jerusalem. So they give, David what, or give Joab what he wants, and they leave. Pretty simple. It's kind of an unfortunate thing, you know, that... You know, they could have just said, think of, the, think of the alternative. You know, it's always good to preserve life, and yet Joab just didn't understand that principle. David understood that principle. He had many times, many opportunities to kill Saul, his, his sworn enemy. Really, he, David wasn't an enemy to Saul. Saul really saw David as an enemy, but David's heart was always good towards Saul. But David had opportunities to kill him. David had opportunities to kill many people, even when they wronged him, but he was of a different ilk than Joab. Joab didn't understand the option of life. I mean, think of what what could have happened. Joab could have said, you know what? Just bind the guy and bring him out to us, and we'll give him a fair trial. Well, you know, we may, he may be punished, he may spend his life in jail, or maybe he would be executed, but there's no talk of that at all, because Joab only knows one thing, and it's the sword. It's the sword, it's the sword. The Bible says that if you live by the sword, you're going to die by the sword, and we're going to see that Joab actually does. God comes through on his promise. So Joab, verse 23, was now king over, over the army of Israel. David had anointed Amasa to be his nephew, to be in Joab's place, but Joab kills him. Do you notice there's no mention here that David had some kind of conversation with Joab and said, Joab, why did you kill our brother? Why did you kill our nephew? I mean, wouldn't there be, wouldn't you think there should be some ramifications from that? Maybe, you know, saying, you know what? Abishai is going to be the head of the commanding of the army from now on, not you, because of what you've done. You killed my brother, or you killed my son, Absalom, and now you kill our nephew, Amasa, and yet crickets from David. And this is one of David's problems. This is one of the things that made David, that weakened him, is that 
He was strong in some areas, and he was weaker in others. He, and, and perhaps because of his own sin and because of how God dealt with him, maybe David felt he was so morally um, weakened that he couldn't say, he couldn't do anything at that point as far as correction. It could be that. We don't know. David certainly had his guilt because he, didn't, he wasn't engaged with his sons. And had he been engaged with Amnon and with, with, uh, with Absalom, had he been in, truly engaged and, and caused things to go right in the beginning when Absalom or when uh, excuse me Amnon raped Tamar, Absalom's sister, had they talked it out as a family, had they went through the process, things could have been different. But they're not. But they're not. So now Joab is restored to his post, and no mention of what he had done. David just kind of stuffs it in his heart. He knows exactly the kind of man Joab is, but he's probably got nobody as good as Joab. Maybe that's the reason. We really don't know. But he puts him back. And notice, Benaniah, and Joab was over the army of Israel, and Benaniah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. So this guy, Benaniah, was, uh, he actually... um, we're going to find out he's going to take Joab's place as we look in when we get into First Kings when Solomon becomes king um, after Joab is killed. See, I'm horrible like this because I give away the story before we get there. See, what, what, if I was really smart, I would uh, just kind of leave you hanging each, you know, right at the end of the episode. What's going to happen? Oh, you got to come back, you know. But you guys are smart enough to read ahead, so and you should, and that's good. Uh, <laughs> so. But this Benaniah, he's over the Cherethites and the Pelethites. Again, remember, these are mercenary groups. Many of them, we believe, are from, uh, from the Philistines. So these are foreign mercenaries that are very, very loyal to David, more loyal than most other of his brothers. And so these men, they stick to David. They're like his secret service. There's nobody going to touch David without these guys, with, with these guys around, okay? And so verse 24, Adoram was in charge of the revenue. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was recorder. And Shiva was scribe. Zadok and Abiathar were the priests. And Ira, the Jairite, was a chief minister under David. And um, and, and notice that it tells us, and uh, you might want to write in the margin of your Bible, right at this verse here in verse 26, you might want to go over to, or, or just write a note, Second uh, uh, Samuel chapter 8, uh, verses 15 through 18, because back in that chapter earlier in the book, it gives uh, an account of David's administration at that time, and there's been some minor changes here. Instead of uh, one of them is uh, David's sons were his chief ministers at that time. Probably Adonijah was one of his chief chief ministers because he's the only one right now that's alive in this at this time. Adonijah is still alive, and he's going to be the one that's going to try and seize the throne. Um, and we'll see that when we get into First uh, Kings. But, um, but now, instead of having his son be the chief minister, he puts this other man, Ira, the Jairite, he's now the chief minister under David. So no longer, you see David figuring something out here. So instead of having his sons, or a son, or some others, 
be um, his chief minister, he starts to think about that. And he's like, you know what? I need to get my family out of this. Because <laughs> they're, they're dying. They're dropping like flies. So I'm going to put somebody else completely different. And I almost wonder if David's starting to think about this nepotism thing a little bit. He's, he's thinking about it. And he's thinking, you know, I'm just going to get my son out of there. I don't need any more uh, threats. Um, and perhaps that's what he was thinking. We really don't know. Perhaps he sensed something in Adonijah that wasn't good. And if he did, he would be right in thinking so. Because like I said, Adonijah would be the next after Absalom to seek to depose David from his throne. Isn't that interesting? Uh, A funny thing about being in power is that this kind of thing happens. When somebody's in power, there's always somebody who wants to take you off the the throne. That's just the, the way it is in the world. Let's see. Let's see how far we can get into chapter 21. Uh, Chapter 21 is going to be an interesting chapter because so far we've been going kind of chronologically. But when we get to chapter 21, many believe that this this whole chapter actually preceded chapter 9 in this book. And what happened in chapter 9, remember, was when uh, David, um, after King Saul and his sons were killed in battle. There, in fact, just go with me really quick to chapter 9, because I think you'll see um, that this chapter really has to go right before chapter 9. Um, and let's just look at the first few verses of Second Samuel chapter 9, and uh, you'll see that this event, this chapter that we're going to look at now, chapter 21, we'll, we'll get as far as we can, and then we'll, we'll stop here. Shortly, but um, in chapter nine it says now, and this, and this is we're going back now in time. Saul and his sons have been killed in battle. David is finally on the throne. He's brought the ark into Jerusalem. Things are starting to settle down, and then it says now David said in chapter nine, "Is there still anyone who has left? Think of that. Is there anyone who's left?" of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. He says that because he doesn't think there is anybody left. Because after we look at this chapter, you're going to see where the other men of Saul's, Saul's other sons from his concubine, Rizpah, she had uh, seven uh, sons, or, or five sons, and, and, uh, uh, and another woman had... Uh, We'll get to her name. She also had two other sons. But the bottom line is, is these men have been already killed at this point in in chapter 9. So many believe this chapter 21 actually precedes chapter 9. So maybe something to do sometime is to read chapter 21 and then go back and read chapter 9, and I think it will make perfectly perfect sense to you. Because it says here, David said, Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that, it, that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? Because remember, David and Jonathan made a covenant with one another, and, and that David wouldn't harm his, his uh, family. And, and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, Are you Ziba? And he said, At your service. And the king said, Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God? Remember, because David was a kind man. He wasn't a bloodthirsty man. 
And Ziba said to the king, There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet. And the king says, Where is he? And so the king, you know, Ziba tells him, but he was the only one left because all the other sons had died. They'd been killed. That concludes our time for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.